Hey, this is Nate Burkhalter. If you want to be empowered to chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact, then listen to The Qualified with my friend, Ryan Huff. This is The Qualified. The Qualified. The Qualified. El Calificado. The Qualified with Ryan Huff. What's going on, Qualified family? Hope you're having an amazing day as always. And welcome back to The Qualified, where we showcase God's goodness with the ultimate goal being to empower you to chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. Y'all, I am super excited for today's episode. We have an incredible guest with us today. And uh, before we get going into that, y'all, welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you're not new and you've already been a part of the family, welcome back. Y'all, the reason we call this show The Qualified is because I believe that we are all qualified to make a difference with this beautiful gift of life that we've been given. However, there's a massive difference between having potential and actually going out and doing something with it, right? That's when this show we discuss topics, ideas, and strategies, things I've done in my life as well as things of inspiring guests that they've done in theirs that have helped to make a change. And my hope is that something that is shared ultimately empowers you to start living the qualified life because... Man, I can promise you, I know that's to be true in my life, and I'm confident you know that's to be true in your life as well. I can promise you it's going to be impossible for you to feel great about yourself when you're not performing at a level that you know you're capable of performing at. And so my ultimate goal with this show is by showcasing God's goodness, by showcasing different topics, ideas, and strategies, that something sticks out to you and helps you start living the qualified life because you're qualified for more, you're created for more. So don't ever, don't ever settle for less. Y'all, let's rock and roll. Um, before we get going, I got to tell you guys, this podcast is absolutely free. Uh, we don't run any ads during the, show, during the show. So because of that reason, the only thing I ask is that whenever you get value out of it, if, if it makes you smile, if it makes you laugh, if it, if it improves your day in any sort of way by challenging a, a thought process or inspiring you in some sort of way, that you please, you know, that you please share it out with at least one person, right? Let them know that you enjoyed it. Share the show. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review as well. That helps us grow the show even more. Y'all, I'm going to open up with a quick word of prayer, going to intro the guests, and then uh, we'll get rocking and rolling from there. So, Father God, thank you so much for this amazing day. Lord, I just, man, I can't thank you enough, Father, for putting me in different um, positions, putting me in different um, areas that have helped me grow and helped me improve. Mm-hmm. Father, I just thank you so much for this amazing man um, sitting sitting to my right today. Father, I just pray that blessings of this conversation. I pray Exodus 412, Father, that you would speak through myself and speak through Nate as well. Yes. And Lord, give us the right words to say. Um, give us the right things to talk about. And Lord, not our will, but yours be done through this, pro- through this episode. And I pray ultimately that people's lives would be changed and they would be empowered to chase their potential and live a life that does make a positive impact and your powerful name i pray amen amen all right brother well ladies and gentlemen i have if you've read the title you see it but i have the, the one and only mr nake nake <laughs> a combination oh, of oh, oh, nick nake and nate here. right yeah i have <laughs> mr nate burkhalter in the on the qualified podcast dude welcome yeah. to the show man i'm super excited to have you dude. right on yeah <laughs> honored to be here thank you for letting me be a part of this my pleasure and it man. took us a little while to get this going but we finally made it happen. So dude, thanks for being flexible. Dude, my, hey, got, got to work on my yoga every day. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> but but you guys, if you're familiar with Nate, or if you are, then you then you know. If you're not, um, then then you're gonna learn more. Nate is a gosh, an inspiring speaker, but ultimately, dude, he's just a, a guy who's going out there chasing his potential as well. He's mm-hmm. giving glory to God. He's an amazing American Ninja Warrior. He's been on the the Exalton. Is that what Exalton? Yeah, Exalton. Gotcha. Yeah, it's good. It's Telemundo Network, so it's a Spanish TV show. Roger that. So it has a little tough pronunciation. Yeah, well, but hey. for us gringos, that's a good hey, way to say what it. Are yeah. they? Hey, but my my uh, screen name on um, on Duolingo as I'm learning Spanish because uh-huh. my girlfriend is Cuban. Okay. Um, is uh, El Gringo Guapo. So, okay, the uh, handsome white guy. Yeah, you hey, got so. it, man. You got it. <laughs> Gringo Guapo. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, y'all, there's there's so much more. This is obviously just one facet of him and such. We're going to learn more about him today because um, uh, while we're while we're have, while I have you on the show, it's like we're still relatively new to getting to know each other yeah. and such. Still new in this friendship and whatnot. So I'm super excited to get to know more about you today, brother. But kind of tell us like where you're from. Kind of start from there. Like where you're from, how you got to Texas, and then we'll kind of just carry the conversation from there. Yeah. Well, I'd say first we met at Nick Bear's Marathon. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Outside of Austin, Texas. Me, you're an experienced marathoner. <laughs> I am not a runner at all. Now, I'm a seven-time American Ninja Warrior athlete, and I've gotten into a lot of other athletic ventures in that space, but not on the endurance side. So it was a, a big walk of faith for me to step into that realm and challenge myself and seek to break some limits that I had yeah. on me and imposed on me. And so that was a fun experience. That's where I got to meet you. And then, you know, you're up here in Frisco a decent amount at part of our church, Elevate Life yeah. Church for Saturday Morning Mighty Men, which is led by an awesome Navy SEAL named Garrett Unklebach. So I, I was born and raised in Tennessee, moved to north and then south Louisiana as a kid. Okay. My dad was a preacher. All so right. we bounced around a little bit. Cool, and man. I was the oldest of five kids. Wow. So I've got two younger sisters or? and then two younger brothers. Wow. And I think Saturday you met my youngest brother, Benjamin, yeah. who's 10 years younger than me. So I'm 36, he's 26, and we've got three others sprinkled in between that. So I've, I've bounced around a bit growing up and eventually graduated college at Louisiana Tech University as an engineer. Tried to play sports and football, had a crazy injury. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Moved on to Houston, Texas, got a job with ExxonMobil, a big engineering oil and gas company at the time. And then that led me around the world, eventually moved to Africa and then Norway and then back to Africa. So I spent some time overseas with that job and career path. Got into athletics during that time. Got into American Ninja Warrior, and and then have have recently transitioned and left the engineering world. Went into full time athletics, public speaking. Moved up to Frisco, Texas, to be with Steve Weatherford and a few other guys up here. Jared Galdi, Paul Scarbacci, yeah, that you yeah. met or you talked to recently or had Scarbacci, on your show. Yeah. So we got a, a good tribe that's built around here. You know, kind of that place of, I believe. I, I love the way your podcast is titled. I believe God equips the called. You know, and, and sometimes I look at people who are equipped and I'm like, oh, that person's really equipped. So God calls them uh, really God equips us as he, he calls us and then he equips us. And I've seen that as I step out in faith and, and seek to break off a limitation in my life and trust that God's going to help me through his power and his spirit. And I, I like to say that there are no limits to what God can and will do first through a life that's fully submitted to him. Yeah, because I've achieved a lot of things on my own that didn't have a lot of real impact or satisfaction and when I realized man I'm I'm doing this all on my own strength my own will in my own way and there's got to be a change here I've, I've got to find this place of submission which is hard for me as a headstrong <laughs> control oriented person who wants to guide and direct my own life I learned this this process of submission to God mm. submission to who Jesus is and through that I found a lot of fulfillment and then saw God open doors and call me to places I'd never imagined yeah. and empower me and equip me 
to do things way above and beyond my capability. And I've got a lot of miracle stories in my life that would reflect that now yeah. all from a place of going, all right, God, my life is yours. And I trust that you're going to be the one that, that guides me. And that's, what's brought ultimate satisfaction and incredible alignments. Yeah. Whereas on my own, when I was doing my thing in a career path and finding a lot of success, but not finding any joy or contentment and having to medicate through porn and happy hours and hookups and tracing relationships and trying to find things that would satisfy me in bigger jobs and bigger raises and like nothing was working. And I, I hit a bottom of like, well, I'm, I'm at the top of my life as far as success, but I'm also not finding true commitment, contentment, fulfillment. So God, if you're real, let's, let's see what that's like. I'll make a change. So there's a quick summary. So I'm sure it stirs up some thoughts or questions. Oh, 100%. Let's, let's dig into some stuff there. <laughs> one, of the, one of the first questions. <laughs> you're I mean, waiting to jump in. I was like. <laughs> no, you're good, bro. Keep talking. That just gives me more more questions to ask. I love that. Um, what was it like growing? Because I mean, I imagine doing the things that you've done and like being on, even being on television and such. And you, as we were kind of driving here from the gym, you kind of, you talked about, you know, small town USA, you know, growing up mm -hmm. in like a trailer park kind of a mm -hmm. thing and such like. Did you ever imagine your life would be like this more so or like you like you would have the opportunities <laughs> yeah. that you've had or what? Yeah, no. I you know, I I've meet and talk to people who are younger and they said they had a dream to become something. You know, one day I'm going to be Steve Weatherford. He's like I'm going to be on a magazine cover. I'm going to be this. I never really had big aspirations. Never saw examples really? of being something significant. I remember being in 5th grade and going to the library at our school cuz some traveling a group had come through and set up a few like posters of Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and a few other like basketball stars. And I remember buying this poster for like $2 and like, Whoa. And then we had this other book. It was some kind of world feat. I forgot what it was kind of a Guinness book of world records type thing, yeah, yeah. but they had a lot of different people it just showcase what happened in the world that year. And I remember flipping through that book and going, man, it'd be cool to be in one of these one day. Wow. But I, I never really thought or aspired towards anything of, of what I would call impact or success or being seen didn't play sports when I was younger. Like tried a casual baseball. thought like, Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. But never, like, yeah. but never thought like and put it on my wall. That's what I'm going to be one day right. because you know, we both know Steve Weatherford yeah. and he's a, a Super Bowl champion. One of the teams that only teams that beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he had a significant impact in that game. And, awesome. and he talked about, you know, his ascent of, of wanting to become, both successful in that realm and also get on the cover of a, a muscle and fitness or men's health magazine. And he set his goal and he had a lot of belief. He saw a guy named Keith Kraft when he was younger, like 11 years old. And Pastor Keith Kraft now is a, a man in Frisco, Texas that leads Elevate Life Church. But before he got into that pastoral role, he was a motivational speaker and kind of like a bodybuilder. He's like six foot six, 270 and really strong and sure. founded this thing called the Strike Force. And they would go to schools and churches and smash giant bricks and bend metal bars and snap bats and break out of handcuffs. So Steve saw that at a young age, I think at 11, was like, man, that's possibility for me. Yeah. You know, so he got inspiration that he began working to from an 11 year old age up until he became a pro in football. I, on the other hand, just being small town, backwoods, broken, poverty. Um, my a good old boy. Yeah, just yeah. didn't have a lot of belief or opportunity or what I saw in my environment. And my dad, he was a good athlete and a hard worker and had a lot of faith, but had significant injuries since he was 30 years old, like a lot of lower back problems. And so it took away his ability to play sports and do a lot of the things that he enjoyed. So by the time I'm five you know my dad's no longer athletic 
So I never really saw that side or example of him. Yeah. He built in some competitive nature into me and, and my siblings as we grew up and instilled a, a hard work mentality and a health mentality. But again, I didn't have much of a, a visual in my sphere of, of seeing success economically, um, even relationally in some degrees, spiritually, especially not in the any kind of sports realm or impact realm. So I didn't have a lot of that. And I think what what has grown in that space in me is I always had a hunger to, to make my life count. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's something I saw from a young age. And knowing, and just seeing Bible verses that my dad would speak over me, knowing that, hey, we're, we are all individually placed here on earth for a specific reason yeah. and, and season and even place in life, place in the world. And I believe that we're all called to do something unique and impactful as, as believers we have a, a more corporate global thing of loving God and knowing him and making him known. Yeah. And then we have a more individual unique role and it's stepping into that in a way of I've learned to submit, follow God's leading and prompting and then trust that he's going to equip me. Yeah. And then you know, realizing God equips the called and we are all called as you open this podcast up hey. with many are called, but few were chosen yeah. as in few are found. I wouldn't say worthy, but found ready, yeah. willing to submit themselves to the hardship yeah. You know, like the the choose your hard quote that I've heard Steve say and a few others yep. say, anything we do in life is hard. It's going to be hard to cultivate a good marriage. It's hard to go through divorce. Yeah. It's hard to build in some kind of economic system of wealth and prosperity. And it's equally hard to go through poverty, which is what I saw when I was raised in. Yeah. It's hard to take care of your body and be healthy and overcome a lot of limitations that we were born into or that our society has placed on us. It's hard to break those off, but it's also hard to, to live in, in poor health, yeah. things of that nature. So I've learned from a young age, like, life's going to be hard, so go ahead and accept it and stop looking for the easy shortcut and just choose your hard. Choose yeah. the thing that's going to be hard with the most impact, the one that's going to have the good outcome or the, the one that's going to be worth it. Yeah. It's easy to see if you look at someone's life you know, and they say, hey, don't do it this way. Go this way. Don't make the poor health choices I've made. Do this. Right. And... It feels easier in the moment to be, well, I'm not going to be disciplined on my diet or on fitness or on reading or bettering myself in any way. It feels easier. And it is in the time, in the short time you're doing that. And then the compounding effect of those decisions, like suddenly your health is, <laughs> and your your financial situation is shot. And you're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm stuck. Process. I'm behind the eight ball. This is really hard now. How am I going to get myself out of here? Like, you see, that decision that you thought was easy, it wasn't really easy. It, it was a hard, hard situation you put yourself in. Yeah. So I saw a lot of negative examples for, for the most part growing up, but, but had that hunger to, to know, like, I can make my life count, and I want to continue to grow in wisdom and watching and observing others. And then eventually that led me to a place of seeing where, hey, I can, I can achieve more here. I can break through. I can challenge myself in new ways. Yeah. And that's led to pretty cool life experiences. Yeah, so... I love that, man. Speak to that as well, because for someone that I love that you had that initial thought to the fact that your dad instilled like, you know, health and also hard work into you as well, which I think was super helpful. But at the same time, what about people that are out there listening right now that maybe didn't have that same mindset at such a young age that you had? Like, dude, I know I want to make my life count. Mm -hmm. Like I know, which I'm sure we can both think of people that don't think that their life really matters. They don't think like, well, bro, like I had never had anything good in my life. Like my parents were this, my Mm -hmm. mom was this, my sister did this, you know, everyone in my family is X, right? Overweight, poor, whichever it is. Like, 
what, for someone that is in that mindset that you don't even think that they're even worthy, much less qualified to break out of that show, where does, mm. where does someone like that start? You know, that's a good question. Well, I'd say there's two different approaches to life. And one that I would encourage everyone listening to not adopt and to take on and agree with is a victim mentality. Yeah. And a victim mentality is one that, that basically says, woe is me. I don't have what other people have. I'm not equipped. I don't have the looks. I don't have the athletic ability. I don't have the finances. I don't have the status. I didn't come from the right place. I, I don't see anything that gives me my life significance. And it becomes a, everything is wrong in the world. Everything is wrong with me. And then through that victim mentality, you begin looking for like ways to make things easier. Well, maybe, maybe drugs or maybe this or maybe cheating here or maybe condemning or uh, saying bad things about other people is going to, going to help me feel better or justify the situation I'm in. And the flip side of that is having an overcoming mentality or, you know, a lot of the things I've experienced when I was younger, I I didn't know how to define it at the time, but I I looked at it as a challenge of like, can I get through this? Hmm. I'm going to look for a way to fight through this and not become a victim. And so when I didn't have financial options, when I was 14 and my parents were like, Hey buddy, there's no, we can barely afford our own vehicle. There's no way we can get you something. And when you're working towards college, if you want to go to college, there's no way we can pay for that. So just be thinking now about what you need to do to make that happen. So I got a job on a farm at 14 years old for $4 an hour. And my mom would drop me off there after school and I'd go work for six hours in the summer heat and the the fall heat in South Louisiana and crazy long grueling hours alone most of the time. And I would have friends who were doing sports summer camps, who by the time they turned 16, their parents bought them a vehicle. Sometimes they got a really nice vehicle, sometimes a crappy vehicle. But I had to buy mine when I turned 16, and I had to pay my gas. And gas at that time got up to about 350 a gallon, so kind of high like it is now. Really? And we had a a big price spike back then. So I'm, I'm struggling to pay for gas and insurance and a few other things. And I remember seeing my friends who had things handed to them, and even then, they, they didn't believe that they had much going for them in life. I sure didn't, but I decided wherever I am right now, whatever cards I have been handed and dealt with, I'm going to make those things work. Mm. I'm going to give it everything I've got, and I'm going to keep working, and I'm not going to complain. And I would see people take short-sighted decisions, like one guy that wanted to play football like I did. Now, I was 120 pounds in high school, and once I grew to six feet tall, I was so skinny. Like sports weren't the best option for me, and I wasn't that coordinated, and I wasn't that great, and I didn't have – a background in it and we homeschooled some we transferred and I didn't know many people or friends so I I was the kid that was bullied and small and didn't have much of a friend group and didn't have a lot of options and wasn't that smart so I could be the guy that could say I had nothing dude we were broke we were poor we weren't connected I didn't have friends I didn't have experience I don't have a lot going for me but I tried not to focus on those very obvious things and instead say well what can I do with what I have right now yeah and that's, that's the way, yeah, that is a stewardship principle. God says, yeah. what's in your hand? And it, it, there's several stories in the Bible, Old and New Testament. Old Testament, I think it was Elisha uh, encountered a, a woman who, he said, hey, it was in a, a time of an intense famine. And he's like, he encounters this woman. And he's like, hey, I see you're, you're gathering some sticks to make a fire to cook some bread. Would you make me a meal? And she's like, I, I can't make you a meal because I have enough bread to make me and my son our final meal. And after that, we're going to die. And he's like, well, how about you take a leap of faith and make me a meal and God's going to bless you through it. Think about what's going through her head at that time. 
Could you imagine some random bro just walks up on you and says that? You're like, <laughs> okay, like. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got to be insane, faith, you know, and then <laughs> and then knowing like, OK, but this is also a man of God. So there's a level of yeah, that too. Yeah, a level of like respect or belief, even though they they haven't met before. They've heard stories about the prophets of God. It's like, OK, well, I'm going to die either way. So maybe I could take the step of faith here and do what he's saying and asking. And he did that. And then without mixing up other stories, I believe he then commanded her to go gather pots and said, hey, every pot that you've got in your house, I'm going to, I'm going to basically fill that with oil. So gather those pots and other pots. And she went out. Now there's two other, there's another story where, um, someone had an unlimited amount of like bread that they continue to make through grain or wheat or whatever they had. So I don't want to mix up the two stories, but I think this one was, she went and borrowed a bunch of pots from her neighbors and then, no, 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 I'm, I'm mixing up two stories. All right. So this one, I was like, well. <laughs> this one, she made the meal, and then yeah, you could jump in and correct well, me. I wasn't like, sure. I'm, I was because I, I wasn't sure either. I'm like, yeah. I think I'm like, I'm, I know where you're going. Yeah. Though. So this one, she made him a meal, and then God just provided, and every day they had enough to make another meal and another yeah. meal, and he stayed with them for a while through that famine. There's another situation where a lady, her husband had died, and the debtors that her husband was in debt to were going to collect from her, and she's like, we don't have any money, so they were going to take her sons and sell them into slavery to pay off her debt. And she tells the prophet that, and he says, go and gather pots. He says, what do you have? And here's what the point I was trying to make. She's like, we don't have anything. We don't have any money. We don't have anything. And he said, well, what do you have? And he forced her to look a little deeper. And this is the question I'll pose to those listening. Like when you feel like you're not equipped or you don't have the, the things you need in life, you don't have the resources or the, the talent or the ability or looks, whatever it is, God always asks us to go back to what we do have, and it becomes a measure of stewardship. And he, God said, Jesus said in a parable, for those who... Um, those who have little but but use it well, more will be given. But for those who basically squander what they have, yeah. even the little that they have will be taken and given to someone else who can steward it better. Yeah. And so it's a principle of stewardship and using what we have. And this prophet said, hey, use what you had. And so she realized, well, I have a bunch of pots. And he's like, and you can get more, right? And she said, yeah, I can go borrow some things. So she went and borrowed, and God did a miracle and filled all those pots to the brim with oil that she was able to sell and pay off all of her debts and have money left over. So I've reflected on that at, at times in life and realized, man, I've got, I've got ability right now. I can work. I can, I've got health. So let's do the most of what I can with that. And whereas I saw other people taking shortcuts, like in the football team, guys that wanted to play, that were skinny like me, found a way to get some steroids and started juicing up pretty hard. And I, I, I mean, I know that that's a strategy you can use to gain some muscle mass quickly, but I'd talk to some other people and they're like, oh man, that messes up your hormones and you're going to grow your muscles too fast and destroy your ligaments and mess up your cartilage. And it might work for a year or two, but it's not a good long-term strategy, especially if you don't know what you're doing, especially when you're in your early teens and your body's still growing on its own. So one person advised me away from that and other people were like, go for it. So I decided to, to try to be smarter about this and think about where do I want to be in five years. Right. And so I focused on school and working hard and covering my bills and doing what I could and eventually played tennis because that sport fit me a little bit more at the time. And so I got into the tennis team and learned a lot of individual strengths about how to manage pressure Mm. when you're playing one-on-one with someone or it's all on you versus a team. You got a little bit more support around you. And that ended up helping me later in life in Ninja Warrior. And I was on there because you're on a platform. There's a big, big group of people watching. There's a lot of cameras. You get one shot and it's all over. If you don't make it you and water, you don't get yeah. to practice beforehand. So it reminds me of like in tennis or certain situations where you're serving and you're down one or two points and you fault the first serve. And so you have one more serve. And if you don't nail this thing, 
you lose the whole game and the whole right. set and it's all over and you have to calm your mind enough and then still confidently make your shot and if you if you hesitate you're definitely going to mess it up and so it it translated later in life for me being on that platform in ninja warrior and 2 a.m in the morning when we're competing and having to like be dialed in and be aggressive and confident even though I haven't practiced this before and I know if I make a single mistake, my whole season's over. I may not ever get back on the show again because it's an audition process. Yeah. So some of that mental fortitude helped me all the way back to high school doing a sport I didn't want to do because I wanted to play football, but I didn't want to take the shortcut of having to take steroids to get myself to a big enough place to get on the team. Yeah. So just, just all, all these different things have come together. Like one story we can talk about when I got a severe burn injury in college trying to walk onto the football team. And yeah, got, you could have died. Got taken out, could have yeah. died. Was in the ICU for a month. The thing that prevented and, you, though, you had been training, though, and you had actually like stopped yourself from falling in. Like, so tell that story. Real yeah, quick, so actually. let's let's use that story, and I'm going to yeah. say it through a lens of learning that adversity, it can be the thing that makes you quit and give up in life, or it can be the thing that is an activator. Yeah, propels you. Yeah. And I look at these tough situations I went through, and. In high school, having to work my way through high school, I ended up doing four years of high school in three years because my Dang. freshman year, ninth grade, I homeschooled. I homeschooled a couple of years before that, and the school didn't accept any of my credits. We didn't really – that was a good reason because I didn't know much because we had these hand-me-down crappy books that I kind of read and convinced sure. my mom I'd done, and I hadn't done them. So Well-educated. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have a great educational foundation, but I ended up doing four years of high school in three years. Wow. Because I had adversity before me and I decided instead of quitting here and just kind of giving up and being pissed off about my circumstance and this isn't fair and the way the situation I've been handed, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to drop out. Um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to give it everything I've got and I'm going to get competitive about this. Yeah. And I ended up graduating number seven in my class. Let's go, out bro. of about 200 people. And yeah, it was. I love that. It was a, and I was, I was like one of the average dudes. I yeah. just applied myself. So I saw that, hey, this adversity and me having to work my way through high school and to pay for my vehicles, et cetera, it, it equipped me more than others who had a lot of things handed to them. Yeah. And I, as I carried that into college and became an engineer or was working towards an engineering degree, I realized, man, I'm not the, most, I'm not the smartest guy here. I've got peers here at this school that have a lot of wealth. Their parents are paying for their college. They have a nice vehicle. They don't have to work. I'm having to work two jobs. I'm still in my busted up old truck. Um, but you know what? I've learned how to get through other hardships in the past and I can see the steady progression of where my life's going. And I also see God's favor and I see it in a way of there's a lot of people that will come through your life. And I've noticed people that look at me, like even now the blessing I'm living in, they'll say, I see that you're one, you're sold out to follow God Two, that you, you live with character, honor, integrity, and that you are, you're giving it everything you've got. And when people are living in that space and they don't have a victim mentality, but they have a mindset of I'm going to overcome whatever situation I'm in. I've seen other people, they want to help. Yeah. They're like, man, I, I believe in what you're doing. You're giving it all you can. I want to help that. Yeah. And there'll be people of wealth or position or influence that I've seen over the past seven, eight years that are just kind of like in different places wanted to help me. And I've seen those same people repel those who are prideful and pride being a place of, ah, you know, either victim mentality of like everyone, everyone's out to get me. Everything's going wrong against me. You don't understand my situation. You know, I am set back. I am disadvantaged. Da, 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 da. It's all these, I can't, these limitations that they, they have, they have felt. I'm not denying that they haven't felt and have some level of quote unquote justification for them. Of course. But 
<laughs> me now having traveled 35 countries, lived in Africa, lived in Europe, been to India, been all over Latin America. I've seen people who have legitimate hardship and lack and hard situations that are almost impossible to overcome. And yet those people have lived with joy and they have overcome their situations. They've used that adversity as an activation yeah. and they they've learned while not financially quote unquote thriving, they've still learned to thrive in life and have joy and live with purpose and, and find a connection and, and relationship with God that gives them purpose and fulfillment. And yet you come to our country in America where we have an incredible amount of resource and opportunity if you see it that way. And yet people get caught in this victim mentality that says, well, you, you've been marginalized or you've been, you know, withheld from something or, or someone has done something to you. Those things may be true on an individual basis, and yet it causes you to, to shift your mindset from the abundance of what's available to us into, well, how am I a victim? And once you move into the victim mentality, then there, there's no way that you can move forward without basically thinking someone has to do it for me. Yeah, and anytime someone does it for you, you've lost the ability to be a good steward of what God has in your life, what he's given you. Yeah. So when you shift out of that place of I'm stewarding what God has for me, and if I use that well, he's going to give me more which I've seen happen time after time after time. If you go into the victim mentality space, people don't want to help you because they're like, oh, you're just looking for a handout. Right. And you think everyone's out to get you. And it, and it always leads to a, a further decline in your life. And so I'm just trying to help people separate this. And I've seen it around the world. It's not so much a race thing or a, a privilege or where you were born or status. It's a mentality. Yeah. And so I, I'll say that to say, as I got into college, I, I started realizing, hey, I'm a skinny guy, but what do I need to do to try to put on some more weight and muscle? Right. One thing I'd like to do is be a little bit stronger and more athletic. And I, I started working out pretty hard, lifting weights, eating a lot more, got on a meal plan. It ended up getting to go to school because I had some financial aid. I had a couple of scholarships I'd, I'd worked for and applied for and gotten. And then we had a tuition assistance program in Louisiana, if you met a few certain requirements. So I, instead of having to go to the military, which is what I would have done, to pay for school, I got to go on, on some kind of financial aid. And so get on the meal plan there, eat a lot more. I bulk up to about 190 pounds. So I put on like 60 pounds of muscle Jeez. in almost six months. Like it was pretty wow. rapid <laughs> and just realized, man, in high school, I, I didn't eat much. I ran a lot. I was working outside so much. I was, I'd come back just exhausted, just yeah. drink water and go to bed. So that helped a lot. That led me to playing a lot of flag football. I got on a, the top team in our school, playing with some guys that were on the football team and doing well. And they're like, dude, you could you could play with us. Like, you need to try out. And I was like, that's always been my dream. I'd love to do that. Let's go. So I start working my way into the, the tryout walk-on process at Louisiana Tech University football team in the spring of my sophomore year. And as I'm walking to a practice with a few of my friends, I'm walking across the ground. And this is going to tie into the story we were talking about earlier. Yeah. All of a sudden, as I step across a place in the ground, it's kind of grassy dirt in between two dormitories. I've been there a hundred times. I step, and all of a sudden, it just splits open like a, a chicken pot pie crust or an apple pie crust. And as I sink through the ground, I, I go about thigh deep before my hands instinctively reach behind me, and I kind of catch what's firm ground, and I pop back out of this now hole that's formed. And as I'm popping out of it, just boiling water and steam is just gurgling and spewing out. And I look on my legs, like thigh down, and I've just got boiling water that's just evaporating pretty heavily. But also my skin's starting to curl and peel and flake. And 
and I'm wearing shoes and socks and shorts. And so the yeah. water that the boiling water that was on my legs evaporated relatively quickly and was a severe burn, but that all became second degree burn. But everything where my shoes and socks were on retained that water for another 20 seconds. Dang. And it, it made it third degree burns there. So I, I kind of slowly get the recollection, like, what is happening? Am I an acid? Where did this come from? Oh, this is boiling water. I'm burning. My skin's melting off. So I take off sprinting, like bust through my friend group who's all standing there like in awe, like what in the world's going on? And I run back to the dormitory and begin rinsing cold water off on my legs. My skin's peeling off and I'm screaming bloody murder. But that was, and then it was horrific. Obviously, well, the most painful thing I'd experienced in my life. Yeah. And I've, I've had a decent amount of injuries. So that was a rough situation. They, my friends call an ambulance. The ambulance comes and gets me They're They get me in the ambulance. They're sticking me with all kinds of drugs. Um, get to the air, I mean, get to the hospital emergency room and they're like, all right, we're going to cut your clothes off, bring you into the surgery, give you another shot of something that's going to knock you out. We're going to cut off your dead skin and then bandage it up and then send you to a burn center for recovery. Cause this is bad. And like, if you get infected, you could die. Wow. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I, I, I quote unquote wake up from the surgery. I don't know, an hour later and my sister and my best friend were there and my best friend's like kind of laughing and chuckling. And my sister's like <laughs> beat red, just like embarrassed look. And I'm like, and I feel good at this point. I'm, I'm drugged up pretty good. Yeah. And, and my legs are all bandaged. So I kind of come to, I'm like, Hey guys, you know, and yeah, my buddy Jeff is like laughing, like, dude, that was wild. I'm like, what do you mean? And my sister's like, I can't believe you said those things to the surgeon. Oh, the doctor. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've been out. She's like, no, you were awake and you cussed him out and you did this and that. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so long story short, the medicine they gave me, That's you don't funny. remember anything, but yeah. you're not fully out. You can still feel some stuff. Yeah. So the doctor, their surgeon came in and he starts cutting stuff off my legs and the skin and scrubbing off some of it. And, and they said that I was like screaming at him, like, if you don't stop now, I'm going to find your mom. I'm going to slap her so hard. <laughs> I'm like threatening this doctor and they got me strapped to this table. And then I said something like, you said it wouldn't hurt, but you effing lied to me. And I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs. So everyone in the hospital wings hearing this. That's funny. Uh, so my sister was a very pure, good person and, <laughs> you know, didn't like that. I had been shouting cuss words and screaming at this doctor. My buddy Jeff thought it was hilarious. Oh, man. So, the that doctor's was a, probably like, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh, he came son, back in yeah. a little while later, and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, ah, nah, man, that, that stuff would give y'all, <laughs> makes you say crazy things. I get it. <laughs> so That's funny. That was a, a fun little glimmer of entertainment, per se. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't even think I, I reflected on it. In the moment, it wasn't funny to me. It was just, right. Well, you're but in now, pain, yeah. yeah. But now it's funny. So then they haul me off to Shreveport an hour away in an ambulance, and I go to a burn center, and that's where I check in for a month. And that began the, the process of a lot of pain and no sleep and just constantly in this this agony. They say second degree burns are the most painful thing you can experience. Really? Third degree don't hurt as much because they burn off your nerve endings, but they can't grow back. So you have to have skin grafts and all kinds of special ways to help your skin regrow. So you got skin grafts on your feet. Yeah, so I, they gave you some special some new medical technology that helps your skin rebud. Mm -hmm. And so I've got some distinct scars in my skin on my feet still don't like recover well and so i get infections easy and my skin has these funny looking wrinkles on it but everything on my legs that was second degree is all recovered it took about four or five years before it like went back to relatively normal yeah, nice legs man yeah thank you <laughs> so now i got these short shorts that 
following Steve Weatherford. I was guide. about to say, yeah. Like yep. I'm on I'm on Team Short Shorts now. That's funny. I think I started wearing short shorts a little bit shorter after I started watching uh, Nick Bear run. Oh yeah, and yeah. And like saw so Steve, I'm like, all right, man, I like that. It's just easier to move around. Yep. You know? I, I like them now. And back in the day, I'd have had skinny legs and I wore these long, baggy basketball shorts. Yep. But now I'm like, I like the shorter side. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So yeah, I think one more funny story in that that burn recovery center. You know, and here's here's where a lot of these mindsets came through of, hey, I can here, here's where I can take on a victim mentality. Yeah. One was through that process during and after I accumulated thirty five thousand dollars of medical bills. And this is in 2007. So now it'd be seventy thousand dollars. And we didn't have insurance that would cover that. And all of a sudden this is on me. And as I'm recovering my eventually like an, a lawyer gets in touch with me. And a few other people are like, hey, dude, if you, you know, this is a big deal. Like, you can sue for a lot of money. You can make a lot of money off of this thing. And to do some of that, you're going to have to make your case look worse. So don't think about finishing school. Drop your classes. I had an internship as an engineer lined up for the, the summer, so in like a month and a half from now. And they're like, you should drop that, you know. And one, you probably can't do it. The doctors were telling me, drop your classes and you can't go to this internship because it's going to take you two months in here just to get back to any semblance of normal. Right. And I'm in a wheelchair. I can't move. My legs are frozen, locked up. I'm in horrific pain. So they're like, it's not going to happen for you to go back and finish your classes in the spring and then get your internship. But other people on the outside are saying, eventually a lawyer saying, Hey, the, the more you drop out of right now, like as far as not finishing school and not getting your internship, the bigger case we have to say how much this is taken away from you and how much more money you're going to get in the future for pain and suffering, for loss of future income, for blah, blah, blah. So what I what I sensed in that moment was, man, there's a, a way I can play the victim here. And remembering, like, McDonald's had their first big lawsuit against some lady that spilled hot coffee on herself yeah, and made $5 million because she's like, you didn't tell me the coffee was hot and it burned me. Yeah. And I'm like... It pissed me off when I heard about it as a kid. I'm like, so stupid, yeah. I'm like, you you know, but you're now just because this company quote unquote has money that you're trying to get from them, yeah. you think it's going to make your life better, but it's not because you haven't learned a process, you haven't learned stewardship, and you're just going to make your life worse. While it, quote unquote, it feels easier in the moment, yeah. you're choosing the wrong kind of hard yep. that's going to affect you later in life. The same with people who who win lotteries. Yep. Most of the time, it destroys their life because they get this massive influx of cash. They don't know how to steward steward that. They can't trust people. They haven't learned skill sets to use it. They spin through it. They, they adjust their lifestyle, burn through it, and then all of a sudden they're in a place where they have no more money, but they have a lot of debt. Yep. They get depressed, commit suicide, can't trust their family members, et cetera. Yeah, if you so, start the process, you end up actually doing doing yourself worse because you mm -hmm. actually skip all the lessons mm -hmm. that the process teaches you mm -hmm. that, that 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 that's the process necessitates you going through hard things in order to be able to steward it better but if you just get given it you just get if you just get everything given to you or try to go around the process you're actually going to end up coming out worse mm -hmm. so, which is but, tough when you're younger because yeah. especially this new generation they want everything now yeah. immediately and i wanted everything now of course but thankfully growing up a millennial like we had a little bit of TV, like two or three channels, three channels at the time, ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah, and then we got Fox. Like, and, but we couldn't watch much TV, period. And I didn't have a, a game system. I just had to go outside and play. Yeah. And when I got bored, I had to learn how to make up a game or doodle or ride my bike to fill that time. And nowadays, there's just such instant gratification between yeah. the availability of TV and internet and TV shows and just distraction. And I think 
that with the social media world that shows people who are living out their success in their best life now, it makes us want to go, oh, I got to have that now and immediately. Yeah. And then we start looking for shortcuts. You get compared. And, and, you get yeah, compared it's like and, yeah. then you skip the process that other people went through. Or they didn't go through the process, but they've been able to produce a result by taking on debt or cheating the system or something, plastic surgery or steroids, whatever it is that got them ahead of the game per se, and it looks like they're winning, but in the long term, they're setting themselves up for failure. And I was faced with some of that in this situation, and and I'm so thankful that God had given me enough of a foundation to have have the lens of saying, you know what, I'm not going to let this thing now switch me into a victim mentality so that I can quote unquote make my life easier, right. which I had that temptation, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to get out of here early. I'm going to prove these doctors wrong. I'm not going to be stuck here for two months. I'm going to get out sooner. I'm going to go back into school, finish my finals, and I'm going to get this internship because I know that's the path to me getting a better engineering job and, and developing a career there. So I ended up doing that. And in the long run, that became a massive blessing in the short run, it was a much harder path. One funny story when I when I was brought to that burn unit. So they, they take me from Ruston, Louisiana, north central Louisiana, on I-20 out to Shreveport, western north Louisiana. Check me into the Louisiana State University Burn Center. And as I get checked in there, there's a, f- a few surgeons and doctors that are like, hey, as we admit you to our hospital, we want to make sure we understand the full status of your burns and how bad they are and the infection potential, et cetera. So we're going to have to take off all the bandages and clean you up a bit and then check you into our system because we don't know what hospital emergency room doctor did. So they they wheel me into this room, and I'm feeling pretty good. Like, they had me on some serious drugs that I didn't feel that good the rest of the time. Right. But I thought, this isn't going to be that bad. They wheel me in. They put me in a little gown. So now I'm, like, naked under this yep. this little gown. No, and, no, um, no modesty, no. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, they put me on this little bed pan that's got a three inch metal lip and it's basically like a wash pan that you're sitting in and like all right um take off your gown and we're going to take off all your bandages on your leg and start rinsing that off and so they begin the process of like peeling these things off and i'm sitting in this cold metal tub in this cold hospital room and i have to take off my gown so now i'm naked on this thing 21 years old laying here you don't know people these couple of doctors i don't know and an assistant and then one of the doctors or surgeons says, "Hey, we got our we got three medical students from the from our no. LSU medical program. No. They're gonna come in." And the in walks these like two hot girls and this <laughs> one 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 stud looking guy, you know, probably played football and and they're oh, like no. twenty five or something. Uh, and they all three walk in. And I'm laying here on this bench, getting hosed down with cold water, shivering no, naked on this man. thing. And I'm like, "Oh, just kill me now, <laughs> you know? Oh gosh, oh, no. my dignity is gone." <laughs> <laughs> oh no you weren't getting any numbers after that yeah. one were you <laughs> yeah i don't think i was getting some sympathy on that one but. <laughs> that's funny well you know what that those I'll, I'll spare the details of that, that yeah. but um you can use your imagination you, you can know? use imagination how certain body parts might have looked at that time yeah <laughs> they don't perform well in cold <laughs> It's funny though. Well, you know what? Hey, it made it made a funny memory out yep. of it, right? I had had several of those that came out of that situation. That's so it's funny to laugh about. Yeah, man. Dude, but yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say that that wraps up that thought of I use that not that specific situation, but going through that experience, I was like, this is gonna be the activator. I am yeah. not. I'm gonna rise to this occasion. Yeah. And I think that God allows or puts us in situations in life where 
we we essentially get the opportunity to rise to the occasion. Yeah. And as we do, mm, even thinking or knowing, God, I don't have what it takes to handle this. Yeah. God says, hey, at the end of your natural, I'm going to put my super on this situation. Dang, bro. It's going to become, on. it'll become supernatural. And I've seen yeah. that in American Ninja Warrior as I've had some incredible runs that were beyond my capability really? when I was deathly ill, literally deathly ill. Oh, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah. I've had crazy situations that have happened in those places where God came through. But I first put myself in the situation of, you know what? This is a sucky situation. And this isn't fair, and this is blah, blah, blah. And I had the reasons to quit or to take the victim mentality or be bitter about it. And instead, I said, you know what? what how can I rise to the occasion here? Yeah. How can I fight until I can't fight anymore? Mm. And a little bit of that is a competitive edge or nature. But a competitive nature is something we build and grow. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm thankful that my family had a little bit of that. So I got some of that from a young age. But going through that place, it really prepared me. I, I got out of there early under – a month where they said I should be there for two months, finish up my exams in school, and then got out and went to Little Rock, Arkansas, driving my truck. I could barely use my left leg. I had a wheelchair in the back, so I'd get out and I'd hobble on crutches to my back of my truck, get my wheelchair out, and I'm wheeling myself around. Jeez. And But I get that internship, and that eventually leads to another internship with the number one, Fortune number one company in the at that time, or Fortune number two, ExxonMobil. Yeah. And then I got a job full-time with them after I graduated and moved to Houston and, and had an awesome career for the season of life that I was in. Had I not done that, had I played it safe, or had I taken the victim role and, and let these things fall away and then have a bigger case to get a bigger lawsuit and settlement, I may have gotten a bigger chunk of money yeah. from doing that. But I would have short circuited. I didn't build any skill sets. I didn't. I didn't learn. I didn't have a degree. I would have. I would have basically gotten this big lump sum of money. Who knows? A million dollars, five million dollars, and suddenly life is easy. You know, cool. Now I can go buy some nice vehicles and let's go have some fun partying because now I'm. I'm not the poor guy. I'm the rich guy, and right. and let's enjoy this. And all of a sudden, I know how life works, and I've seen enough of this where you develop some poor habits and. Yeah all of a sudden you can just take care of yourself in ways that you never thought. And then you, you lose discipline on how to spend money, how to save, how to invest. And people think, Oh yeah, if you get a big chunk of money, you'll, you'll know how to invest this and you'll do this and you'll do that. And like, well, most NFL athletes that have a ton of assistance around them still are broke a year or two after, and then file bankruptcy because they've, they've developed a certain standard of living and then they lose their income because they can't play forever and it all goes away. Yeah. They're in a worse off spot. So who am I to think is at 21 years old that I'm on my own going to be able to handle this much better than someone else right. with a lot of resource and support. So I'm, I'm very grateful that one God kind of, I felt that prompting of don't take on this victim mentality. You keep fighting and you rise to the occasion here. Yeah. Well, and especially with your career going forward, the companies probably wouldn't want to hire you either. Oh, they would not. Like, like well, this guy, even if I had graduated, yeah, like this guy, have, this guy yeah. went ahead and, you know, was like, what if something happens at our company? He's going to sue yep. the heck out. He's of looking us for the opportunity to like, Get whatever you can out he's of you. He's looking for the victim card. Exactly. You know, he's looking to pull that and then make you out to be some bad bad guy. Yep. Regardless of it. It, but, it never know, plays geez. out in the long run. So you're exactly right. But I think had I been given a settlement, I, I, there's no way I would have finished engineering because it was so hard. Wow. I had to really stay devoted and, and need it in the way of, man, I, I need this. Like, I got to get through here because if I don't succeed in this, I don't have a better option for how I'm going to make a living. Yeah. And had I had a good chunk of money, I would have easily justified to myself, like, oh, I don't need this. You know, I can, I, maybe I'll go into this degree or maybe I'll do this or maybe I won't even finish college. Right. I'll be good. I got, I got money to take care of myself. And then, you know, that would have been great for a year or two or three. 
and all of a sudden that would have ended. I would have had no degree. I wouldn't be hireable in certain ways. Yeah. Then you got to start from the bottom. Yeah. And and I've heard enough of those stories. So I'm I'm just grateful, and I want to remind people to think about that. Take on the the mentality of I'm an overcomer. I'm going to rise to the occasion, yeah. and not the mentality of. Now, you, most people won't say this, but it, I believe in see it to be a victim mentality. Yeah. Like, hey, here's another thing. It's not fair. This is this is wrong, and someone needs to take care of me. Something needs to take care of me. Something needs to fix this. And instead of just taking ownership of whatever it is and saying, I'm going to rise to the occasion, and then seeing that God's going to come through for you in that mentality, yeah. using what you have in stepping forward. And, and it's, a, it's a measure of faith. Because yeah, you can't see how it's going to work out. But as you walk in that, I've seen God show up, not not only in my life, but in other people's lives. Like I, I work really well off of listening to other stories of testimony and breakthrough. Yeah. And that's what's given me the faith to step into many of these seasons of life that I didn't want, that found me <laughs> in an injury or a setback or a rejection <laughs> or a heartache that, yeah. or something. And like, all right, well, I can quit right here. Yeah. I can take the victim mentality or I can rise to the occasion. Amen. So, dude, I love that so much. I, I want to go back um, a little bit too. You had talked about, um, kind of briefly touched on it. If I'm if I'm off bound here, just correct me. But like, it sounds like you kind of fell away from your relationship with God uh, during a certain period of time and kind of gotten into like pornography and like sleeping around and such. But like, what was that kind of period like in your life? And how did you kind of get back to you know gr- you know following following Christ and you know growing a relationship? Yeah, with great question. Well. The, so it was an interesting path for me growing up a preacher's kid yeah. and having a lot of oh PK yeah PK and you yeah. if you heard some rumors about PKs they're either really wild or they're they're pretty good balanced kids I saw some examples of some crazy wild ones and I think the wild wild people PKs for example they they've seen an example of one usually at home their dad the ones I knew that were bad kids they would see their dad be on Sunday preaching what to do the right way to live life. And then behind the scenes, they're a raging alcoholic or they're beating their wife or they're cheating on their spouse or they're doing something that doesn't match up character-wise. And the kid behind the scenes seeing that is like, well, if if you believe in this God and that's the fruit of it, I want nothing to do with that. And they go wild the other way. And I've seen that. Now, I didn't go wild the other way because my dad lived everything he believed and he lived by faith. No, we didn't have – I think he – he thought that following Jesus meant you're also going to have to live the hard life of like, it's just going to kind of be poverty. And so he accepted some of that. Yeah. That didn't speak to me too well of like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why do we have to struggle on everything? Now I did see an element of faith. Like we're not having our, our bills covered and my dad's working as hard as he can in a regular like kind of construction painting job. And he's a part-time pastor, full-time pastor, part-time pay five kids. We're living in a trailer home and we would, I remember one night we're gathering around and dad's like, we're going to get evicted um, next week if we can't pay this, but I don't have any more money. And I've given a tithe because I believe in, in tithing. And so God says he's going to take care of us. So let's pray. So we kneel around and at night and we pray like, God, we, we need your help here. And we hear a bang on our door that night. Look outside. Don't see anyone. Close the door. Next morning, my mom wakes up and we go out on the front like porch, this little piece of concrete and would have coffee. She opens the door and she sees this big envelope taped to the front door that we didn't notice the night before, but someone had smacked it there and then banged on our door the night before. So we open it and peel it off and it's $5,000 in $100 bills. Wow. And I saw stories like that growing up. Saw stories of groceries just being put or or Christmas presents being put on our back doorstep. Um, Saw stories of my dad 
doing deliverance, like, you know, encountering demonic activity and demons in people when we were in South Louisiana, because there's a lot of voodoo there oh, yeah. and casting yeah. out demons. And that's not something you hear every day. And that's not something that most people believe in. My dad is not a uh, exaggerating big personality. He's a very low key, introverted, down to earth type person. So when he says something like it happened and it was probably much more spectacular than he described it. <laughs> Sure. If you want to say it like that. So yeah, I remember yeah. him sharing stories of things that are happening wow. in our church. So that, that thing, there was parts of me that God planted some seeds of faith mm-hmm. in me. And also at seven years old, I had this crazy fight with my sister, pushed her off the, pushed her into a, the bathtub at our house. She cracked her head open, oh, was bleeding. We couldn't afford to go to the emergency room. So we brought her to a, brought her to a friend like a who was a nurse. Or something, or? Yeah, we used to fight a lot. I had a lot of anger issues. Really? That was like from a young age. And... Uh, looked like a generational curse, like something had been passed down from my dad that hadn't. He had some stuff happen to him in his life that he hadn't fully addressed, and he didn't. He still had some anger issues that he hadn't fixed. That passed down to me. Right. So at seven years old, and I'm saying this in hindsight because I couldn't articulate that at seven. Sure. But at seven, after this happens, my dad comes in and I'm about to get a you know one of my usual butt whoopings. But my dad's so exasperated, he's like Nate. I don't know what to do with you, son. You know, I'm like crying, thinking I'm going to get beat, but also crying because I feel bad for what I did to my sister. And he's like, you know, the reason you do some of this is because of the sin in your heart and what you were born into. But if you ask Jesus in your heart to renew you and cleanse you and, and wash you and accept him, he can take away some of these things. And so I, I prayed and had that decision and saw something shift in my life at that time. And the anger stuff went away. The, the crazy fighting with my sister just went away which is interesting. Yeah. You know, I think I hadn't built up, not, if I was 30 years old, I'd built up a lifetime of like operating in certain anger patterns, but it broke off spiritually in that place and it was gone from my life. Wow. So that was a unique shift. Okay, so how did I get to a, a more broken place later in college? Well, in high school, we're part of this small church. I'm, I'm constantly in the church religious environment. I'm not seeing a lot of examples around me of, of people that are thriving or living in abundance in faith and success in like seeing God move in their life. I just see in South Louisiana, a lot of brokenness, a lot of poverty, a lot of poor, poor health. A lot of people making terrible health decisions and then thinking like God's going to take care of them. Like, well, you're called to be a steward of your body. A temp, the body is a temple of the Holy spirit. So you need to take care of it. We had a little bit of a health upbringing and knowledge. So like my family was pretty healthy, but we just saw people constantly like heart, heart attack, dying, all this stuff around us. Um, along with the poverty side of things. And I had to do a lot for the church. Like a lot of people didn't step up. So as the preacher's kid, I had to mow the grass and I was like doing music and I was helping lead a class and I was um, setting up chairs and I just got kind of tired of the whole thing and, and can't say that I really had a relationship with God through Jesus as much as I had some religious understanding. So as I get to college, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm kind of done. And my dad was pretty strict on like no drinking, no dancing, um, Southern Baptist theology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So didn't have a lot of quote unquote fun in high school. I get to college. And, and so in high school, I had, I did get, I found, I say high school is like 11th, 11 years old, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Someone shows me a porn magazine really? on the playground. And I'm kind of like, wow, this is interesting, but I don't really know what to do with this. Not really that interested, <laughs> but this, this is, you know, okay. Uh, it's kind of a shock at first. Kind of a shock, you know. And then a couple years later, I hit puberty and I'm like, oh, yeah. I definitely want to see more of this. Yeah. I'm curious here. Right. And not having had a conversation with my parents, not understanding dangers and harms of that, knowing like this is wrong, like seeing seeing someone naked or seeing people having sex. If you watch a porno, like you, you can sense like this is very interesting 
and obviously we have a sexual nature that we're wired into, and I think there's a healthy outlet for that. But then there's also a, a way that we need to learn how to guard and control and discipline ourselves so that we don't always react to our sexual nature or urges. Right. And I didn't have that understanding at the time, but I knew I'm, I want to see more of this stuff. Right. And so even though there were some filters on our computer, like I'm finding my way to watch porn and not having an outlet to talk about it, not having any anyone that I could kind of share some of these struggles just knowing I'm kind of in shame here and then having a few friends at school that are like, yeah, this is awesome. Here's a magazine and kind of, you know, helping me further that path of, I'd say bondage. So I get into college and, um, discover a little bit of partying and I'm like, Hey, alcohol and dancing is awesome. I don't know what they were, you know, why they were so against this. This is a blast. And (laughs) what those Baptist problems were. Right. And I, and I was just looking for some freedom. I didn't go crazy, but I was like, I understand healthy moderation. So, having a few drinks and dancing at a party like this is great and but it didn't then led to a slippery slope of like the porn struggle and the lust battle and then partying and staying away from church because i'm like they're just so lame and so boring and all they want you to do is like help them and do setups and blah 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 and toe the line i was like i'm tired of living that that boring kind of fruitless life so i I drifted away from that for a couple years and eventually kind of led me into a little bit of a hookup culture and so as I was in that for six month season, I'm like, man, I'm miserable here. Like I, I feel this conviction anytime I'm like sexually intimate with someone like this isn't going to last. I think we're wired for, for like a relational intimacy that's going to last and yeah. be secure. And instead I'm yeah, like a marriage covenant, but instead, and I, and I know that instead I'm seeking these like sexual hookups and just for a quick release, um, release or get <laughs> off or, satisfaction or whatever it is or, yeah. or status like because i was such a yeah. kind of a dweeb in high school like i was a little i wouldn't call myself a stud in college but i had things more put together and more people were interested in me so i kind of liked some of that affirmation even if it's just if it's just flirting and making yeah. out with some girl at, at a party it makes you feel good you know it's i'm like, like yeah, i feel I good now it. but yeah. i'm like man i'm, I'm the man. most i'm yeah. i'm a douche i was, yeah. I was a, always a nice guy <laughs> but i'm like i'm kind of leading these girls on they yeah. think more is going to happen and nothing does yeah and I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I don't want. To, I see other people way farther down that path, and I'm like, I don't want to be those guys. Yeah. And and I had two I sisters. Was the same that way, I, brother. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Just lead them on. Like, oh, you like me? Great. Let me yeah. lead you on. Give you what you want. Get what I want. Then drop you. Then yeah. then I wonder why they got mad. I later on like. Yeah. And so at first, stupid. for me, it was yeah. like go on a date and and talk for a little bit and text them. Yeah. And then it was like making out, and then kind of like halfway hooking up. Yeah. And like it, it got further and further down the line. Yeah. I'm like, this is not where I want to be or what I want to do. Isn't it interesting and how it, it well, you never, you never, it starts off with something and then it leads you further and further down mm-hmm. the road because less than ever satisfied. And yeah, it's very interesting how like you just ne- like, how the heck did I get here? And they, I've always heard that, hey, it's a slippery slope. And you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. You yeah. know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then it is. Yep. <laughs> and the same thing with yep. like lust, anything of the flesh, yeah. it never satisfies and you always need more of it. You know, I, I haven't gotten into drugs, but I did plenty of alcohol and I've seen even in the adrenaline side of things for me, like I'm an adrenaline junkie to some capacity and I got into motorbike, motorcycles, sport bikes and yeah. aggressive riding and, and I've, I've taken some plane piloting lessons. I've done some skydiving. I could see where I want to go. Even in the skydiving world, I could see the path of like, man, I, 
I'd like to get into more of this and then eventually do some base jumping and free jumping. And then you're, you're seeing these guys who are like flying in between little mountain crevices With and the then suit. in the squirrel yeah, suit yeah, and dude, all these guys die because they always push it to the next level where they're, they're cutting through a little, um, outcrop and boom, wind shifts by a couple of miles an hour and they slam into a rock and it kills them because they can't just enjoy cruising down the side of a mountain a hundred feet away from it. They have to get 10 feet away from it and then five feet away from it and then start carving around it. And they always end up smashing themselves on the ground or on the rock. It's the same way with free climbers who like to climb without a rope. Oh yeah. Did you ever watch that, that free solo? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It made me sick. Really? So I, he, I haven't seen, it. I've seen bits and pieces, yeah. but man, that guy, that's nuts. It just, there's just the principle <laughs> with drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, adrenaline junkie stuff, risk taking. Yeah. We, we, our bodies always need to like push it a little bit more, or we get used to whatever it was—the adrenaline release, the drug amount, the sexual release—and so we need more. And I decided, you know what? No one ever feels satisfied enough. They always have to keep pushing it, and it leads them down dark places in the sexual world, yeah. always, yeah. and unsatisfied. It leads them down a, a massive risk-taking place in the adrenaline junkie world, money-wise. It's never enough. If your money, if your life is always about business and making more, these people always have to have more. They're never satisfied. So I was like, you know what? I see the trend here. I'm going to go ahead and proactively cut off some of these areas of my life, knowing they're never going to bring me satisfaction because that's what wisdom is, is learning from other people's, their success and their failure. Yeah. I don't have to go through all of this to experience it. So I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and make the choice that I, I can see the data. It's not going to make me satisfied. Let me go ahead and cut that off at the root or just put a boundary in my life. So I, I believe in my, my No Limits Nate mantra, it's a nickname that one of the announcers on the TV show gave me. Oh, really? Okay. And so it stuck after that because I'd, so that's where it I'd had from. a unique lifestyle. Okay. I'd lived around the world. I'd broken off a lot of limitations on my life, and they were like, No Limits Nate. And, and I <laughs> ended up break, beating the course for, after my third year of attempting because you have to apply to get on the show. I got rejected my first year, yeah. did a walk-on process, did pretty well but didn't beat the first round. Next year, apply. They reject me again, try the walk-on process again, get on do pretty well, but don't beat the, the first round. Third year, I'm living in Africa. They finally accept my application. I get on, and I, I end up beating the first round wow. and becoming one of the few people who've hit a buzzer on the show. Let's go. Now, man. you see that happen a lot on TV, but behind the scenes, there's, there's tens the of thousands of, of people. Yeah. Not only my own personal story, yeah. but there's tens of thousands of people that apply, 500 that get on, and then about 100 that get shown on TV. And out of those 100, only 20 of them hit a buzzer. Wow. So... You got to load, and that's just the first round, and it gets massively harder after that. Wow. Anyway, so that, that mantra of, of no limits, it's like I believe in breaking off the limitations that have been put on my life, you know, finding them, testing them, and then breaking through them. But on the flip side, I assign a lot of boundaries to myself, and I allow other people to put boundaries on me through friendships, through accountability. So in the, in the porn world, like really my big breakthrough came from confessing some of that struggle to other people who – weren't in, encouraging me into that realm because they were doing the same thing, but were like, hey, man, this is not going to help your future marriage. You know, I thought, well, when I get married, I'll get to have all the sex I want and I won't need porn. Yeah. And then I start talking to some guys that I respected their marriage and they're like, oh, dude, oh, it gets it gets way harder yeah. in marriage. You better address that now. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's I didn't think about that. I better work on this now, yeah. among other things. So just being willing to, one, humble myself, because yeah. I think that's I I had a big root of pride in my life that made God resist me because God says you know He, he resists, resists the proud pride, but He yeah. gives grace to the humble yeah. and in my journey 
I realized I wanted to do life on my terms. I wanted it my way. I'm sprinkling some morality and some God things in here, but really I want to do it the way I want it to be. And some of that was sexually. I'm like, man, these prude people, their their, their marriage, <laughs> sexual life probably sucks. So right. I'm going to find a way to still kind of do it the right way, but then maybe test the boundaries here and there so I know that she's sexual enough so that when we get married, it's going to be great. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a lack of faith, and it was also doing it on my own. And God's like, I've designed the system. Like, you trust me, and it's going to work out the way it needs to. But yeah. when you're trying to control it all, you may have one little element of this of this uh, bigger right piece. Yeah. Yep, but it like, you might get one little yep. thing that you think is right, and even that's going to fall apart. Yep. So don't build your life around these, these ways of you controlling. So I got to a place of moving to Houston, getting a great job, making a lot of money, at least from where I came from, and finding some success, and then feeling miserable. And I'm like, God... I don't know if I even believe in you anymore, but if you're real, I need some help. Like I, I'm not at a breaking point as far as a low point of life. I'm I'm at a high point of life, but I'm seeing in my relationship, in my success financially, in my career, in my sports, nothing's bringing satisfaction. And like if you're kind of, I wouldn't say the top, but if you're on a high side of that and it's not satisfying, well, it's sure not going to work out when you're in the low point. So I was like, God, if you're real, I need to see it. And I'm tired of trying to live life on my terms. And so I'll submit to you. So I, I had this come to Jesus moment in 2013, and I was like, God, I, I don't really know what to believe, but I want to believe something, and I want to I live for a bigger purpose. Wow. Yeah. And then over the next month, man, I saw God show up in some incredible ways. I saw some crazy supernatural things that kind of scared me, and I'm like, oh, man, if the devil's real, if that demonic stuff is real. Oh, I remember what I heard from my dad when I was in high school. If that's real, God's real. Okay, so that kind of woke me up spiritually, and then... I had a person randomly come up to me and, and share some things prophetically with me Really, that I'm like, how in the world could you know that about my life? And they're like, Hey, I feel like God just shared that with me in a dream last night. And what, what, what were some and, of the things that they said? If you don't let me ask it. Um, there's a few different situations that happened. One of them, this guy shares like everything in my life. He's like, Hey, I, I feel like God told me that you're really wrestling with giving your life over to him and you're asking him if, if he's real. And I, I didn't know this guy. And I was like, that's exactly what I'd prayed like the night before. And then struggling with like letting go of relationships on your terms, which is what I was going through. I was, I was dressing with a breakup yeah. and I was like, this is what I want, but I know it's not right. Do I give it up? Cause I don't know that anything better is going to come along. Yeah. Um, struggling with lust and porn. And he's like, I don't really want to project this on you, but this is what I'm hearing God tell me. He was like, you're still really struggling with this lust porn battle. And then, what was the last piece? Like not finding satisfaction in your job and, and really wrestling with how you see your dad and you have a broken relationship with your dad. And I'm like, all oh, that is spot on. How in wow. the world could you even know one of those things? Much less like four of the, the main never categories. Met this guy before, no, I never met him. Wow. It was at this small charismatic church out in West Houston that I went to that day for the first time. And this guy <laughs> walks up to me. And then <laughs> I bet that wrecked you. Oh, bro. dude. And then the pastor afterwards, a different guy speaks all this life over me just starts sharing hey i see god saying he's called you to do this and you're going to be a leader of men and you're called to do this and step out in faith and and i forgot the details of what he said but it it like spoke to my spirit so deeply i was like weeping and crying which i would never do like i i, I was too like in my mind tough to cry Man, or, or yeah. you know open up my emotional side yeah, and so if jesus wept it's good enough for yeah us, right yeah <laughs> so god god really spoke to me there but i was laying down my pride mm in a lot of ways, symbolically, in what I was saying to God in my prayer, where I was showing up. And and that led to a big breakthrough and change. And even someone after that 
at that service said, hey, come over to our house and I'd love to pray for you and pray that God's spirit just hits you in a way that you've never experienced before. And so I, I did, and they were praying for me, and I felt like just God's presence like rest on me in a powerful way. My whole body was just like on fire, but in a euphoric way. Yeah. Um, I felt these hands like on my shoulders, and I heard in my spirit like God saying, hey, I, I love you. You're my son. That I'm, I'm grateful to have you. I've got great plans for you. Wow. And you don't have to think about – my dad was very discipline focused and didn't have a lot of relational understanding. Yeah. And and since then we've healed our relationship and have a great one. But back then I had no relationship. So God was beginning to show to me, show me that I had viewed God the way I viewed my father. And so that's a thought for those listening. There's many times I've talked to people specifically to fathers. We tend to look at God the way that we, look at and know our earthly father. And if we had a great earthly father that took care of us, that provided, that protected, that loved, that affirmed, disciplined in a good way, then we're like, it's easier to have a good view of God. But when we had an absent father, a broken father, an angry one, an alcoholic, an abusive, a cheater, whatever it could be, one that couldn't provide, we tend to have that broken image of God and then project that on God. And, and I didn't know that at the time, but that was something that God revealed to me just in like worship time and it began downloading on my spirit and I'd begin like, wow, wow I'm, I'm realizing how much I had a broken mentality. So a lot shifted there yeah. and that led me into a lot of freedom. You know, it was like, all right, God, I'm out of this whole sexual thing. Like I'm going to trust you for, for a future wife. Yeah. And I'm also going to give every bit of my singleness into doing things that you call me to instead of having that time stolen from me and wasted. Because I used to waste so much time. Like, I'm going to go to this party on Friday night and this bar on Saturday night, and I'm going to go over here. Maybe I'll meet this girl. Maybe I'll meet a girl here. That, like, consumed my thoughts constantly. And I couldn't have great guy friendships because guys want to go camping for the weekend. I'm like, nah, I need to stay around here, you know. I might miss the chance to meet my girl. And I just waste so much time. And God freed me of that, and I went into an awesome season of, like, developing some amazing guy friendships, yeah. getting a lot deeper in my relationship with Jesus. And then God begins putting things in my heart. And one was like, you're still an athlete. It's not over. Really? And I'm two years out of college and I hadn't done anything athletic in four years other than go to the gym every once in a while. So I start training, lifting, running, building a foundation, go to a tough mudder, do that. Oh, really? ha- hate the running. But lights kind of the obstacles and the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not all of it. I didn't like the shocked part. I, I that, skipped that. that. Last part, I skipped yeah. it the first time. <laughs> then the second time, I was like, "Don't be a pussy. Like, yep. do, do this thing." And so I got to get it done. Bro. I did yep. it. I was facing some fears, breaking off limitations. Then the Spartan race. Still hated the running. Spartans are a and lot then, tougher, yeah. from what I understand. I hated both of them, but I like the <laughs> obstacles. And then someone sends me a text message and says, "Dude, have you heard of this TV show called American Ninja Warrior?" And I was like, "No." And like, you should try out for that. And so I look it up and. That led me into that journey. But I felt when I first watched the video, one video of it, it sparked my spirit. Like for the first time athletically, I felt like God say, this is the next step for you. Wow. Go for this. And so I began that process and, and it was hard and I got rejected. And I got rejected again. I had major injuries, broke my ankle, ripped my shoulder out of socket, you know, broke my ankle again. And despite all of it, learned, hey, I've learned the pattern of overcoming, of not being the victim. And I, and I feel like God's given me a word here to pursue this. And I thought it was to be maybe become the champion of that show. But really, God was preparing me to begin learning how to communicate and speak and encourage other people and, 
and see them on their level because I had so much brokenness and rejection and pain that I experienced in that process. I was able to see other people that had gone through that, whereas other competitors who came in, accepted right away, did really well, never experienced hardship per se. I'm not saying they didn't work really hard and train really hard, but never experienced the low side of those things. They couldn't see other people and sympathize and empathize with them. And I think God wants to, in our process, like many of us have a lot of brokenness and we, we can be like, I wouldn't say angry, but just like, that sucks that I had to go through all this. I just want to, I just want to be on the top of the mountain. And really God's like, Hey, I've brought you through these places and seasons. Cause if you look behind you, there's so many people that are broken in those areas that don't have any hope of freedom. And you're the person that can go bring it to him. Just like Jesus said, I came to, to give life and life abundantly, but the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And one of the verses I live by Matthew 5, 14 and 16, Jesus says, Hey, for those of you that are my disciples that are following me, you're the light of the world. So let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And Jesus came to bring freedom. And so I wear a shirt. Some of my seasons of Ninja warrior, it says illuminate, illuminate, shine. And, to be that reminder, to bring freedom to other people that it's possible. So now my life is, is an example of there's no limit that when you're partnering with God that can't be broken off of your life, that he can't give you the grace to sustain in. And I I like to be that example. First for myself, I have to continue to challenge myself and be willing to put myself in hard seasons and hard places. Maybe not hard seasons. I don't want to do that, but, but I'll put myself in hard places (laughs) like running this marathon was, horrific and that thought to me like i never wanted to run i'd run you got it done i've run a 5k up to that point in my life a month before that marathon <laughs> dude and your face after that though man that you look so mad at the world <laughs> oh but i like symbolically spiritually yep. in my mind i'm like i'm i'm finishing this thing i was in so much pain yep. it wasn't just your typical muscle burn like i had an old ankle injury that that flared up pretty bad so it felt like i was walking on a ice pick jabbing me every time i stepped and Yeesh had some shin splits and stuff like that, but it was rough at the same time. Like I know that there's breakthrough in those, those moments of, mm-hmm. all right, God, I'm at the end of myself and I need you. And we were joking with Steve this morning cause he, Steve Weatherford was in our group and we were running and he had music playing on his little speaker with well, the last mile. It died the last seven miles. I was in a bad place, but that <laughs> last mile I like, I need help to get through. And we were yeah. going to have Steve's song or like some worship music playing at the end yeah, and his yeah. little, his little music blaster dies off. So I popped in my headphones and like played my favorite worship song and I'm chugging away, just like crying and like, God, I, I just want to quit with everything I have, right. but I'm going to, I'm going to cross this finish line. And we did. So that was a cool spiritual breakthrough. Yeah, man. Um, that was a fun day too. That was a tough course. Yeah, it was well. fun for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have many good memories from that, but I'm, now that it's over, I'm I'm happy for it. Of course, of course. Uh, that was a tough course, though. I was expecting it. I think uh, I don't know where I heard, but it was a little more flat. I thought it was going to be more flat. Yeah. Than get to the course, and was yeah, like, we had some good little rolling hills. A lot of good hills. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're a you're a champion in that marathon space. So, uh, well, props to you. Well, you know what? Hey, if you put me on an American Ninja Warrior course, I, it, props would be to you. So I'd be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but dude, I was man. I I because of time, I had to get things wrapped up and such. But man, oh, I yeah, I just yeah. know we could continue talking okay. for for. A long time there's so many other questions i have so love to have you back on the show yeah maybe we'll do too. a part two let me in closing let me share like a a brief thing about so as i was an engineer got into ninja warrior and i felt god leading me away from from the career path i was in I, specifically for me i felt that hey 
God was saying, Nate, you're in a place of you're playing it safe. Like this is a, a safe outlet for you, but you're not walking by faith and trusting in me. And I've called you to new places and seasons. And one is going to be of impact and going to be speaking to people. And you're going to have to take some leaps of faith to trust me. Yeah. Trust me as a father that's going to take care of you because I didn't have that example per se as a, when I was growing up. So in the 2019 year, 2019, I'm, I just moved home from Norway and then I accepted another role to work a, a short time stint in Africa. And I end up telling my managers, Hey, when we finish this up, I'm resigning. I'm going to leave this career path like 10 years with the company. And they're like, dude, you're leaving millions on the table. You're going to, you're crazy to walk away from this. And I, I was like, yeah, probably, but I, I would rather live through the pain of failure than the pain of regret. And I've regretted a lot of things in life that I didn't step forward in faith on. So yeah. I'm not going to let this be one of them. So I leave a couple months later, this TV show I'd never heard of basically calls me up and says, Hey, we want you to come apply. And I go down to Miami or they fly me to Miami and I end up getting one of the five spots on the famous team. And I've got world famous athletes on my team. And I'm like this somewhat no name guy from sure. American Ninja Warrior and then through seven months of this show, Survivor style, no TV, no internet, no cell phone, sleeping on a shack in a shack in the woods on a yoga mat with no air condition, um, ten people in that house with sharing one outhouse. We compete every single day on these obstacle courses, solve these crazy challenges, puzzles. Through that, break my ankle, partially tear my Achilles, almost break my neck, have like two herniated discs or blown out discs, but. Won a five thousand and ten thousand dollar prize, then a fifty thousand dollar prize, then an SUV, then another SUV. Ended up winning the whole show at the end of it, and every day I got to just share what God was speaking to me, wow. and it became a powerful testimony. Get out of there, meet Steve Weatherford in person. He invites me to come move up to Frisco on a leap of faith. Move up to Frisco. Now I'm living with an incredible family that's like giving me a place to live. I've been getting to do speaking events and Ninja Warrior coaching events across the country, and building out a new lifestyle working on a new athletic competition right now that I'm going to build that I'll get you involved with. Let's go, bro. It's going to be, I haven't fully named it, but it'll be like the ultimate warrior challenge. Okay. So trying to, to incorporate like CrossFitters and Ninja Warriors and endurance athletes and basically say, Hey, who would be the ultimate warrior out of this? Because you have to be well-rounded to be a, a true warrior. You yeah. can't just lift a lot or run forever or do an obstacle course or make a really precise throw. You've got to use your mind, body and spirit. So it'll be a fun concept. So I'm up here in a leap of faith, but God's brought me around incredible people, you know, like yourself, where, you know, I'm inspired and encouraged to continue to grow, number one, in my depth and relationship with Jesus. And then out of that abundance and that overflow, cool new things happen in life and new opportunities come up. And yeah. so I'm getting to live it and I'm, I'm living it in a way that I hope that it brings an inspiration to remind people that there's no limit to what God can and will do through our lives if yeah. we submit it to him. Yeah. If you rise to the occasion and submit to him. Yeah. Let's go. Dude, that's so good, and and dude, you know the feeling is mutual, man. I, like, I, I, that's why I was telling, I was talking with you know with Jared, you, you know, and yeah. Steve and Zach this morning while we were working out. It's like that's why I love being in the proximity with the Mighty Men group, mm -hmm. because people that are living their lives at a higher level, but it's by default, the rising tide raises all ships, mm -hmm. as you know, Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. says. And but, man, as we wrap up the show, dude, I just gotta, I just want to acknowledge you, man. I, I want to say first of all, thank you for sharing your story. Obviously, there's far more to it. We'll definitely have to do a part yeah. two, but. Man, I just got to say thank you so much for sharing the story. It's like I love the fact that you can see like as you've grown through your relationship with God about how you've been able to see him be faithful and see, showcase his goodness through all these different chapters of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's just been really cool to see like even the grow. Like you, I remember when you and I off camera were talking about um, 
like even relationship stuff. And it's been cool. Like even a couple of stories this morning about how God's like lining things up and it's mm-hmm. just like, you're stewarding your time well while preparing for that next chapter and yeah. such. And it's just all about stewardship. And so I just think it's good. I think it's just awesome, man. Just seeing like how, how your life has gotten to this point. You're only 36. You got your whole life ahead of you. And, God's Amen. just getting started with what he's doing. So I just want to encourage you, man. Like, you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. I think it's amazing. Thanks, Ryan. My pleasure, man. Yeah. Well, dude, where can people follow you online? Where can they get to, you know, follow your content and such? Yeah, I most things I do is on Instagram, at No Limits Nate. And I'm, I'm somewhat active on other channels. I'm working on a YouTube channel right now. I've got one. You can search Nate Burkhalter. And I'm going to be building out a few more of the things that I'm into with with some big adventures that I've done and doing in the future. So I'm going to be inviting people into some of those. I'm working with Steve on us going down to South America. Yeah. So I've been to five continents. I'm working on South America and Antarctica as my last two. Let's go. So I'm going to, I'm going to have some fun things coming up with that and a competition as well. But you can search me online at no limits, Nate or no limits, Nate.com. Roger that. Yeah, cool, man. We'll do final two questions and we'll get this, get the show wrapped up. First question is how does someone chase their potential to become the person they were created to become? Ooh, well, an easy first step is always looking at what you have available, you know, whatever the talent, the resource, the people and stepping into that. Like, how do I use that a little bit more? How do I, for me in the athletic space? Well, I'm, I'm not really using and utilizing what I have. Let me find my limit right now. Let me step in and exercise and discipline and grow myself. And doing that's going to show me a little bit more. And also the power of proximity, like you said. And the people around you are the ones that can see your blind spots, but also see who you are in a good way and really speak life into that. And so my potential has been much further activated by being around people who, one, desire to grow their relationship with God and then empower others to grow into their potential. And I've seen people speak so much life into me, really activated me and gave me belief and faith to continue to stepping into that and seeing God's hand in it. So I'd say use what you got right now. More will become clear. Surround yourself with the right people and they'll speak life into you and God will speak through them. That's that'll good. help activate it. That's good stuff, bro. Last question, man. What is living a life that makes a positive impact look like for you? Mm. It's continuing to remember and remind myself that it's not about me. When I, when I make life about me, I get selfish and then I get small minded. So the reminder that, Hey, I'm, I'm called to, to serve other people, to be a servant leader. So I need to be doing things that are, always involving and incorporating others and finding ways to help people, maybe helping them through the lens of where I've overcome something or seeing what someone's going through and, and trying to be an encouragement or empowerment to them. Yeah. So I'm seeking to try to make it about other people. And, and that makes the story bigger than me and usually allows me to take on a challenge that's bigger than what I want to do financially or um, athletically or something like that. Like what's going to be of impact and that causes me to take a bigger risk where I'm like, God, you got to show up here because I don't have what it takes to do this. And that's, that's how I'm trying to live for a, a bigger purpose to give people the encouragement. Knowing, like I said, illuminate Jesus, Matthew five fourteen. you know, let your light shine before others that they may see that hope yeah. and glorify God yeah. and then trust that they can, they can see the same thing in their life. Amen. So I'm an example of it. And so are you. Dude, I love that, man. Dude, awesome stuff, brother. Awesome stuff. Well, guys, that is the episode today. First of all, 
Um, got to thank you, Nate. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah, honor. Great conversation. We'll have to do a part two as well going forward. Y'all, a couple uh, just a couple key takeaways to help you live the qualified life. Obviously, there's a whole slew of things here. Just a couple of things, two things I jotted down while Nate and I were talking was, first thing was doing the hard things. You know, don't try to skirt the process. Don't try to skip the process. Mm -hmm. You got to go through the hard things in order to become the man or woman that God created you to become. And second one, which I think will honestly be the title of, the, of, the, of this show, a uh, title of this episode will be Rise to the Occasion. God allows mm. us to go through things. He, it, nothing that we walk through is a surprise. He's not up in heaven and be like, oh, shoot, Nate got burned. Oh, shoot, Nate did this or Ryan did this or whatever. Had. Mm. Like Nothing's a surprise. Mm -hmm. So God allows us to walk through things. God puts us in, in certain areas with the opportunity for us to grow and to make him more known and for us to know him more. So, in other words, rise to the occasion. When God puts you there in that place, realize that, hey, okay, if God's put me here, then he's also given me the power to grow through it and to go through it with that's ultimately good. giving glory and honor to his name. So, y'all, that's a couple of disqualified life um, key takeaways from this. Thank you so much for listening to the show, you guys. I'm confident you enjoyed this. If you did, please share it out with at least one person. Leave us a five-star review on, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And uh, until next time, chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. Talk to y'all soon. Let's go. Fierro pariente. Orale. <laughs>Hey, what's going on, Qualified Family? Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I trust you enjoyed the message. You know, with the Qualified brand, our mission is to empower you to chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. You know, ultimately the life that you are qualified to live. You know, but it's not about just being qualified on our own. It's about the fact that God has created us with innate value and divine purpose to live for something bigger than ourselves. You know, a life ultimately that is fulfilling and brings glory and honor to Him. You know, so whether you've never had the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you were like me, you know, and you fell away, kind of did your own, kind of fell away from your faith and kind of did your own thing. I want to encourage you with this. And that is that Jesus still loves you and wants, desires a relationship with you so badly as well. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter how messed up your past is. It doesn't matter how many times you've missed the mark. It doesn't how many times you, you know, thought you're going to go one way and you went the other way as well. Your purpose still stands. Not only that, regardless of your past, the love of Christ for you still stands as well. You know, and that's the amazing thing, dude. I, I mean, I've made a point of sharing how crazy my past has been and how many times I've messed up. And here's the thing. God is the God of second chances. And not only second, but third, fourth, fifth, infinitely amount of chances, man. He just wants that relationship with you. So would you pray this prayer with me? Just repeat the following. Just say, Father God, Thank you for the amazing work your son Jesus did by dying on the cross and raising again, forever making me righteous, complete, and free from the power of sin. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life, repent of and ask forgiveness for my sins, and fully surrender my life to you. Use me to make your kingdom great. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first of all, I am so dang excited for the decision that you just made. And I got to tell you this as well. 
It says in Luke 15, verse 10, in the Amplified Translation, that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what does that mean? Dude, right now, there's a dang party going on in heaven, bro. <laughs> like, everyone's going crazy. They're like, hey, this girl, this guy just gave their life to Christ and made the best decision of their life. So seriously, I'm super happy for you and excited for that decision you made. So two things. Number one, I got to tell you, you got to recommend that you need to get a Bible and start reading the New Testament, reading about the life of Christ as well. So whether you download the Bible app off the iTunes store or, you know, for Android and start reading it there, or, you know, definitely recommend either the Amplified Translation or the New Living Translation or even the New King James Translation as well. Or if you get a physical Bible as well and start reading, that's great. But just make sure you start reading and you're reading the New Testament, learn about the life of Christ and go from there and start growing that in that relationship and spending time with him. Second of all, there's a special page that I made specifically for this as well on Qualified Pearls website. That link for that is down below in the description. And it just takes you to some resources that I highly recommend that you get books that I've read, um, with the exception of one, there's one called, uh, what is it? Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Clearly haven't read that one, but <laughs> I, uh, I, the other ones I highly recommend and they're super powerful. This, some great resources that'll help you grow, help you improve and just go deeper in your relationship with Christ as well. So dude, so happy for you. And if you need anything, definitely feel free to reach out, uh, the qualified podcast at gmail.com. Happy to answer any questions that you have y'all. Have an amazing day. Until next time, chase your potential and live a life that makes a positive impact. We'll talk to you soon.